I was always looking outside, you know, because right. my reality wasn't so beautiful, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had its perks. I'm grateful for it, but because I kind of wanted to escape reality, I was always like curious about other people's lives. I became a robot, just going to fashion week, mm-hmm. just doing small talk, mm-hmm. just taking photos of like an extravagant life. Oh, mm-hmm. look how cool my life is. Mm-hmm. Everything was becoming staged. I talk about therapy openly. Mm-hmm. It's something new for me because it's only been about like seven months. That's great. But it's been a really great thing for me. It's like mm-hmm. the best investment I have made for myself. Welcome back to Vanessa Wants to Know, a podcast where I get to have conversations that move you. On today's episode, I get to sit down with my friend, Ami Song. For the uninitiated, or if you're not one of her 5.3 million followers on Instagram, Ami Song is a legitimate digital megastar. She has been on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, New York Times bestseller list, and most recently, a woman's wear designer. Additionally, I've known Ami for close to 10 years now. We met when we first started blogging and we would comment on each other's blog posts. And this was pre-Instagram, pre-Twitter, pre-most social media platforms. And really since that time, I've been following her meteoric rise to the very top. This was actually the very first time I was able to sit down with Ami and really pick her brain, you know, about where she came from, how she got to where she is today. All of these things I've always wanted to ask her, I finally got to ask her in this episode. So in this podcast, Ami shares her journey to success in her own words. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Ami Song. Here we are. You know, when I did my recording with Philip, mm-hmm. we were also on the floor. Okay, cool. Yeah, we were like in the floor of his like beautiful, yeah, remember that apartment beautiful apartment in yeah. Soho? Like, like, I'm like, can I just... Interior goals. Yeah, I just want to live in here. Yeah, and the energy of that place is so nice too. It's so good. Have you been burning your Palo Santo? Not in New York, but in LA, I do that all the time. Like I sage and I Palo Santo do all of that. Okay, cool. Except for the crystals. Except for the crystals. Not yet. Yeah. Do you Um, do crystals? I don't really understand crystals enough to do it. But But you do the Palo Santo. Yeah, I have Palo Santo in my bag right now if you want any. (laughs) Like maybe later on. Okay, so we're here in New York. Mm -hmm. You're here for Fashion Week. I want to rewind, you know, because for the few people who may not know you, I think it would be interesting just to lay down the background for them. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your childhood. I actually don't even know like what your childhood was like. I mean, Uh I know a little bit from traveling together and whatnot, but why don't you tell me? I was born and raised in Los Angeles and I moved around a lot. I grew up in downtown LA, which is really rare. Nobody grows up in downtown LA. I was like the only kid there. I remember, I can't remember what year it was, like 90 something, like late 90s. There was like this crazy earthquake and I was like, Four or something. Yeah. You remember I, that? I remember because I was supposed to go to like preschool or kindergarten and like there are cracks on the floor. And, wow. my, and I felt the earthquake yeah. in our apartment. We were yeah. living in a high rise in downtown LA. And I remember like my mom, she had all these like beautiful like portraits of the family. Like because my parents are divorced now, but yeah. back then when they were together, like we have family photos all around the house and pictures and 
during that earthquake, I remember it falling. That's like what I really remember. When I was young, like very happy times, Asian parents, but my parents aren't like the typical Asian parents. They're very open-minded. I think they like submerged themselves in like the American culture really quick. Right. When they moved here, my mom was very young, very wild. Her water broke at a nightclub when she I was know, pregnant with me. I know. Very wild. So it's no surprise that you're like, that, I'm bit, wild. that you're kind of <laughs> wild as well. But yes, that's crazy. Yeah. But then again, like I'm very like, I'm wild, but at the same time, I'm kind of a straight edge. I've been yeah. a straight edge like in high school and college, end of high school. Like I used to be like so against like smoking, drinking, like right. everything. I'm like, oh, right. that person smokes weed. I can't <laughs> hang out with that person. That person's a bad person. I mean, now I'm not like that. But right. And then, yeah, my mom's wild. My dad is more grounded. He uh, seems very grounded. Yeah, he's very seems grounded. Seems super chill. Super chill. Like my mom and my dad, they're complete opposites. And right. I feel like I take I take both of them. Like I have similar traits to my mom where like I'm very like active and yeah. outgoing. But then again, I have this really chill side that I get from my dad. You are in LA, but then you were in San Fran, right? Mm-hmm. So you went there for school. I wanted to go to New York and I remember I wanted to go to Pratt or Parsons, but the tuition was too expensive. Ditto. <laughs> I wanted to go to Parsons and yeah. ended up like going into pre-med because I was like, because I'm Canadian and yeah. the tuition would have been wild, yeah. insane. Like housing and everything. And mm-hmm. I had to pay for my own school. So I moved to San Francisco. That was like the furthest I could kind of go. Right. Where it's like so different from LA, right. but still like reasonable. Yeah. And then I worked all throughout college. Yeah, I was working at retail, two different retail jobs. What retail stores? The first one I worked at was called Art and B. Okay. Which is a knockoff of BB, which is a knockoff of BCBG. Okay. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. And then the second place I worked at was this place called DSW, which oh, I yeah, really DSW. enjoyed. Yeah, because I loved getting the shoe discounts. Oh, yeah, that's wh- why you had such amazing shoes. Yeah, like I loved my 40% discount. <laughs> and then I started the blog. I was still going to school and then I had an internship at an architecture firm and a right. design center. I was always working because I had to pay for my own. Like my grandma sort of helped me with school with right. the first semester tuition. Right. But the rest I had to pay for myself. So So you were not a crazy rich Asian. No. I think that's like such a misconception, you know? Yeah. Because we I think we all know like there are crazy rich Asians mm-hmm. out there. But myself too, I Remember, I had like two jobs when I was going to university because mm-hmm. my mom was like, look, if you want to party, I'm not going to give you money to go party. Yeah. You got to do your own thing. Where actually, I, I'm curious, where did the interest in interior design and architecture come from? I always liked fashion growing up and interiors. I don't know if I really liked it until I was 18. So after high school, I had to get a job because my dad went through bankruptcy and I couldn't go to college like the other kids. So the first full-time job I have ever had, I actually worked all throughout high school, but there were like part-time jobs like at restaurants and whatnot. So the first full-time job, I worked at this construction company. So that's how I really got into interiors. I was working at the construction company as a receptionist and I... Didn't really have to do much. All I had to do was like clean the showroom, you know, get people lunch, coffee, answer the phone calls, like a basic receptionist job, but it was boring, you know? So I started, and I'm naturally a very curious person. So I tend to ask a lot of questions with anything. Um, I'm just curious. 
I told myself, if I'm going to be stuck with this job as a receptionist, I could either just show up to work and do the bare minimum and just get my paycheck and bounce. Or I can try to learn as much as I can and enjoy what I'm doing. So the more I learned about construction, I actually started really enjoying it. I liked understanding like how to build walls or like what it takes. And they specialize in kitchens and bathrooms. So I was learning about all these like different types of stone. I learned about like quartz, man-made stone, granite, marble, like what's porous, what's not porous. And I started doing more research and then I had a lot of free time as well. So I started going onto like the website and like yeah. looking at different kitchens and bathrooms. Right. And then I started getting really interested, but I didn't have much money because I was like basically paying for it, like my entire family. Sure. So I had to, I would go to the bookstore, Barnes and Noble, and I would just go through magazines and like just read and design books and like study it basically. Right. I was just right. like so interested in it. You were so a even, sponge. Yeah, like after work, I would just go to Barnes and Noble and just constantly read and read until they close at 11.30. And because me being a naturally a curious person, I think I was just always wanting to get more information. And then I became passionate about it. And eventually I started... Like the clients who came into the showroom, I would just like talk to them. And then when they're waiting for the kitchens and bathroom designers to be like done or to take them in, I would like walk them through the showroom, but I would just like throw out ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you did this type of cabinet and this stain and this counter, you know? What color is your house? Like, or like what type of style um, of house do you live in? And then I started designing kitchens like that. And people started coming to me instead of the actual kitchens and bathroom designers. So the owner of the construction firm promoted me into a kitchen and bathroom designer. So like I had to like take this course and whatnot. And then that's how I got into interiors. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very interesting. So you mentioned something. You just dropped a big word a Mm -hmm. few moments ago. I mean, bankruptcy. Mm Mm-hmm. And your dad going through that. Mm -hmm. How old were you when that happened? I was, I think I was 17. It was my end of my senior year. Second semester of my senior year is when he went through a bankruptcy. So prior to that, were you guys like, were you middle class, upper middle class? Like what would you? I want to say we were probably growing up, we were upper middle class. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but my dad and my mom, when they were getting divorced, Mm -hmm. we kind of like a lot of things happened. Uh, my mom got really depressed. So even though we were upper middle class, she just couldn't get herself out of bed. Mm-hmm. So there were moments in life where like my sister and I had no food because she couldn't mm-hmm. cook for us. Like mm-hmm. she was just so depressed. So I think that was like an elementary or middle school. It's kind of a blur because we moved around a lot and they separated us because they couldn't keep both of us mm-hmm. or like it was too much for us to handle. Mm-hmm. So one year I'll be living with my dad mm-hmm. and then Donnie and I will switch, mm-hmm. which was awful. So like mm-hmm. there were a few years where we were separated. And then in high school, we like came back together. Donnie and I, it was so funny because Donnie was always shorter than me. And I know then, she's taller than yeah, you Yeah, she's so much taller than me. My dad's really tall because yeah. he's six foot four. I mean, I'm not short, but compared to my sister who's yeah. five foot nine, I'm yeah. short. I remember in middle school, like Donnie was like 12 when she like left. And then I think for two years, we didn't see each other. Yeah. And then I saw each other. We saw each other at the airport. I think she was either <laughs> living in Korea. I can't remember exactly what where it was because it was such a blur because we moved right. around so much. I remember I completely just passed her because she had grown taller than and me. And you were like, I don't know you. 
like she had grown so much, like five or six inches yeah, yeah. and just like grew. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa, my sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a tough moment, but I mean, we overcame it and tough, but valuable. I think that's why I have the grit, like very hardworking. Yeah. You know, and this is what I've noticed among my most fascinating friends mm-hmm. is that when you live a life where everything's given to you and tragedy never meets you, mm-hmm. trauma never knocks on your door, often these people lack character or they, there's something, you know, mm-hmm. and and all of my coolest friends, mm-hmm. everyone's gone through something. Everyone yeah. has a story. Yeah, I think that's what gives you character too, right? right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's why you're you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so jumping back, you're... In college, you are basically creating a job for yourself at this interior design place where you were before just at the front desk and now you're kind of giving people advice. You started your blog because that's where you put your interior design mm-hmm. stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, 2008. I was a freshman in college and everybody was like partying and I was so yeah. excited for the college party life, but <laughs> I had to work. And then because I was paying for the school, basically, even yeah. though my grandma helped me, I right. was paying for I mean, my art supplies, and, bugs, my yeah. the housing, right. food. When you pay for it yourself, you mm-hmm. realize how precious it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to class. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. going to be alert and I'm going to try to learn yeah, instead yeah. of just like winging it. And I'm going to submit my projects. Like other people, they would just be like trash. And I'm like, no, this school is expensive. I'm right. going to get the most out of my education. So I, I didn't party at all. So right. I don't have any friends from college because I was working and I was doing my work. Yeah. So because of that, the blog was a creative outlet. And this yeah. is 2008. I decided to start a blog and I was really into it. I was just like... Yeah. You know, posting almost every single day, like interior design photos and like different fashion inspirations, but I didn't really post my photos. But one day I posted myself and that kind of like people responded to it better because it wasn't so common. And then eventually it shifted into a personal style blog. Yeah. And now more like a lifestyle website, media site. Right. changed. Because you've just come up on, I mean, if you started in 2008 and now we're in 2019, Mm -hmm. you passed the 10-year mark. Yeah. When I first started, it was just a hobby. And then it was just posting photos. When I gained momentum, Mm -hmm. I wanted to grow the audience, but I didn't know where to take it. Several years ago, I realized, okay, this can be an actual business. I'm Mm -hmm. making good money. I no longer have to work at the architecture firm or do interior design. And I feel like I just evolve and find new interests to keep the momentum going. So when did you leave your like official day job? Like the working, like doing architecture, doing interior design. When when was that? Officially, I think it was not that long ago, like five years max. So you were still? Like, yeah. Yeah. Up until, yeah, I was still working as an interior designer. Yeah. I could have just became a full-time blogger many, many years ago because right. other people were doing it. But... I was very passionate about interior design. Yeah. And just because I made money from blogging, I didn't want to quit interior design. I just right. really enjoyed it. Right, right, and right. And I think that did help me become a little bit more authentic and stay true to myself. Maybe different from other people who are full-time bloggers. So when we started, I mean, it's like, it's really interesting because 
I remember back in the day, we all like kind of knew each other, you know, like mm-hmm. I remember emailing you and you were still like living in San Fran. You're like, come visit. And like, yeah. it was such like a cool, small community. And now it's like a legitimate thing. Like mm-hmm. everyone and their mom yeah. and their dog is like an influencer, right? Like we're living in this age of these kind of digital titans Mm -hmm. and a girl overnight can, you know, jump up to a million because she knows the right algorithm or she knows how to take the right photos. And I guess people would would call us OGs because we were really, you know, Mm -hmm. back in the day when no one really essentially, no one gave a shit, right? Except us because we were doing it and we were doing it for fun. You have stood the test of time. Why do you think yourself you have stood because, you know, there's some girls that we came up with and they may still be around, mm-hmm. but they're not at like five plus million followers on Instagram with like, you know, an evolving, like you said, platform and mm-hmm. other projects going on. So why do you think you've been able to stand the test of time? I think because I actually really enjoy it. So I'm really passionate about what I do. I love connecting with people. Yeah. Ever since I was little, I yeah. loved meeting people, talking to them, hearing their backstories. And maybe it's because, you know, I grew up in a broken family, like, Mm -hmm. and I didn't really have that. So like, I'm just, I was always. And now you have this huge, (laughs) huge family. Yeah, I do. I was always looking outside, you know, because my reality wasn't so like beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it had its perks. I'm grateful for it, but because I kind of wanted to escape reality, I was always like curious about other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I loved connecting and meeting people. So like if I just met a stranger, I always just liked talking to them. So I genuinely like connecting. So maybe, and I continue like right now, I love connecting with people. Like when I do, I meet and greets. My least favorite thing is just taking a photo and just saying bye within two seconds. Right, right, right. I love meeting my followers and fans or friends, whoever, other influencers and actually talking to them instead of doing small talk. Right. There was a moment in my life where I felt like a robot and I didn't really enjoy what I was was doing. I think it was like two years ago. And I just felt like I I became a robot, just going to fashion week, Mm -hmm. just doing small talk, Mm -hmm. just taking photos of like an extravagant life. Oh, Mm -hmm. look how cool my life is. Mm -hmm. Everything was becoming staged. When I first started Instagram, it was so much fun. You know, like it's like taking people with me every day and showing the behind the scenes. And then I noticed myself staging things. Oh, everybody stop eating this food. I need to take a photo first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like when you climb up on the chair, yeah, you're climb like, up on the just chair. give me two seconds yeah. and a two minute, like, like two seconds turns out to let be me, five minutes. Let me put sunglasses over here. Let me put your oh, arm over here. <laughs> yeah, All right, don't let's move. stages, don't move. Okay. You know, like nobody ordered the same thing when you color yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah. Gosh. And then in the beginning it was okay because it was like, yeah, it if was we're going to go. It was interesting. Yeah. If we're grabbing food, everything was real. It wasn't staged. Maybe you'll just make it look a little bit cooler. Yeah. And then I noticed myself becoming just obsessed with like a staged photo. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to do this shoot right here. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, so yeah. nobody's in the background. Yeah. I want to take a photo in Milan next to the Duomo. I don't yeah. want to see people. Yeah. It's going to be perfect. But Duomo doesn't look like that. No, it's like it doesn't. always packed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I noticed that instead of just like living in the present and living in the moment, I was just like chasing the mm-hmm. likes. Mm-hmm. Is this photo going to perform? And I felt like it was not genuine, you know? Mm-hmm. Then I got tired of it. I think you just really have to like what you're doing. 
because if you're really chasing the likes and constantly thinking about what other people are doing, right. then you lose passion and you don't really remember why you started. I think like we're just living in such a weird like moment right now in culture because mm-hmm. everything is about validation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, does someone like this enough? Or like, are you being invited to the right show? Like, are you sitting front row? Like this and this and this. And there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of it, I mean, all of it's fake, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day. I mean, of course, when we share our lives um, through Instagram, I mean, you're still putting a filter on it. You know, mm-hmm. you're still taking like your best angle. And you, you know, you brought up, I'm, I'm really happy that you went there because it was kind of one of my questions and it's an existential question I often kind of duel with is that I wanted to stop everything as well a few mm-hmm. years ago and, you know, learning about the fashion industry, but also hearing from friends of, of like the rate of FOMO mm-hmm. among like young girls, right? Like of being like, oh, I'm not doing this or I don't have like this nice bag. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, it's great that this brand has given me this bag, mm-hmm. but this girl, like she's not going to be, be able to afford, you know, like mm-hmm. a $5,000 bag. And I just am always like grappling with that, you know, like, because we do, we do have a responsibility, don't you agree, mm-hmm. to the people who follow us. And also, especially being being Asian women, right? Like, I don't think there was no representation when we grew up. I never saw any model that was Chinese. I never saw any celebrity, you know, other than the one or two. So I, yeah, I think to myself, like, how is it that I can use my platform for good? Mm-hmm. And I think I noticed with you, you, you started, there was a switch at some point, very of recent, where I've started seeing you sharing you know, obviously your issues with anxiety, you know, more of your day-to-day kind of realness. And and I really want to commend you for that because a lot of people, they don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. They just want to be like, I'm living yeah. this super duper life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for me, especially because I've been doing this for 10 years. And yeah. Two years ago, I kind of reached like a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, everything is so fake. Nobody's really happy. Yeah. I'm not happy. Yeah. And everybody's leaving comments. Your life is goals. Your life is so perfect. Totally. Can I be you? And I'm like, yo, you don't want to be me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then that's when I realized, oh my gosh, Ami, you need to like get your priorities straight. And sometimes it's so funny because when our insides are so unhappy, mm-hmm. sometimes we look for outside validation. Oh, if I have this, my life would be better. If I had this apartment, my life would be better. If I got to travel to Paris, my life would be better. You know, if I had a boyfriend, my life would be so good. But no, you need to fix your insights first. So like last year, it was very tremendous for me where I was really healing from the inside. Mm -hmm. Because everything that we have, all the materialistic Mm -hmm. things, except for the basic necessities like Mm -hmm. water and shelter should not matter or deter your happiness. If you didn't get invited to the show, it's fine. Your life is still great. (laughs) If that's going to give you validation, then no, you need to fix your insides first. So I went through that and I think it's so important for people to understand that as well. And I talk about therapy openly. Mm -hmm. It's something new for me because it's only been about like seven months that's great. But it's been a really great thing for me. It's like mm-hmm. the best investment I have made for myself. Better than a gym membership, better than makeup, better than clothes. 100%. Therapy has helped me so much. I know myself 
even better. I understand why I act a certain way Mm -hmm. and how sometimes like, let's say I'm so unhappy with myself, Mm. it reflects in the actions. Maybe like I could have talked to like my employees in a nicer way, but maybe like my mood was bad. So like I say things in a, not in a great way or like my, it reflects in the way I act with my boyfriend, you know, who's so loving and I'm just like not the most loving person. Right, right, right. But doing therapy has helped me, you know. Yeah, be a yeah, better yeah. person or right. and understand myself. So that's um because I think like literally we're always we're always flying in the air and we're always kind of doing these these off-handle things. You know, it's like it's all very creative, it's all like very rushy rushy, but it's not, I mean, it's not real per se, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is just a second, even a runway show, everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time I was telling my mom a runway show, she was like, oh, it looks like it's like 20 minutes long. I'm like, it's not even three minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's totally done. So when you step, like say after something like fashion month, right, where you're traveling every day is meetings, every day you're being photographed, da, 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 like in the midst of the storm, how do you stay grounded? Mm-hmm. I do therapy. <laughs> okay, so do you do do you talk to your therapist like while you're on the road? No, not when I'm traveling. When I'm back in LA, like let's right. say I'm back in LA for one week, yeah. I try to see my therapist like three times. And then I try to like get into a routine. I go to the office every single day. I'll try to work out. I'll stay home. I don't go to any events when I'm in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people want to see me, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like yeah. I really need to stay home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I try not to do everything. And then when I'm traveling, like during fashion week, this fashion week, everything was so good because now I no longer have FOMO. I'm Mm. so much happier and content Mm -hmm. with the person I am now Mm -hmm. that I don't need to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really, I've been so selective with the shows. I didn't do any events. And at nights, I just stay home Mm -hmm. or at at my hotel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if I have a free night and my boyfriend's free, we go out to do dinner. I eat with my team, just doing more grounded things. I really don't have FOMO anymore, which right. is great. But I wasn't like this before. Right. I wanted to go to every single event, every cool event. I'm like, yes, I want to go there. I think that's that's the problem, right? With like FOMO, because so much of the time, you're, what you're really missing out on is like your own life, mm-hmm. right? We call it the JOMO. Do you know that? No, what's the, the JOMO? joy of missing out. Oh, right. I heard that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think yeah. I've heard that on the Oprah podcast. Like I'm all about the JOMO. Dude, I've been like JOMOing for a long time yeah. then. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like people are always like, where's Vanessa? Where's Vanessa? I'm just kind of like, because I... I, I really need to see a therapist too. Mm-hmm. Cause like you, I mean, I have a lot of childhood stuff I need to work through, but I, I have like the anchor of yoga mm-hmm. and like meditation that's and great. like having like a devotional practice that's, you know, mm-hmm. of my own. And that really keeps me grounded. And I think, you know, during fashion week, again, it's just like, you really want to go to support your friends mm-hmm. or to support people you really believe in. Because you can, I mean, the the burnout is real. I see people. So do people, you do yoga every day during fashion week? Uh, no, I don't. I try to do some sort of movement. Well, every morning I will do like an inversion. So I go upside down first mm-hmm. thing in the morning so I can like get the, you know, circulation going. But I always chant. So I have a mantra teacher and she's been helping me like getting through like a lot of stuff through chanting and just even sitting in silence, you know, in complete kind of reverence oh. of... 
Because like what we do, we're so lucky. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and that's like something I notice myself like during fashion week, you kind of get caught up like, oh my God, like where's my car? Like where's this? And I always have to remind myself, I'm like, this is not who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is your like your super nice SUV suburban mm-hmm. is like to pick you up like, girl, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not like a yeah. real problem. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so that's how... I keep grounded and of course like burn a shit ton of Palo Santo because like- When you're burning the Palo Santos, what do you do? Like, do you go around the room? I go all around the room, um, but I can show you after Mm -hmm. like when I actually bathe myself with it. mm -hmm. So like I completely put it all as if I'm like, you know, washing my body Mm -hmm. with a sponge because we're constantly, yeah, we're constantly bumping into other people's energies and it's just like- it's not yeah. like a good situation. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I just observe people. And I notice you say thank you to everybody. You're courteous to everybody. There's a humbleness to how you are. You could be the complete opposite. Where does that constant reminder, that ego check? How do you stay humble? Both of my parents are very like nice people. So I think growing up with my parents made yeah. me just like like everybody. Mm-hmm. So nobody was above anybody. Mm-hmm. So I remember like my nanny, like I loved her. Like my housekeeper in LA right now, like I love her. We always celebrate her birthday. If Jacopo is at my house Mm -hmm. and he's like, Ami, do you want coffee? He always asks my housekeeper, do you want coffee? And he gets both of us coffee because she works for me does not mean she's below me like at all. I am so grateful for her. And I think that way, everybody. And I really think it's because of my parents. Like my dad, when we were remodeling my house, like we were doing construction, we would have construction workers. Mm-hmm. My dad gets everybody lunch and mm-hmm. he sits on the floor mm-hmm. with them and mm-hmm. eating lunch. And mm-hmm. to me, that's so normal. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was weird until mm-hmm. one of my friends was visiting me and like seeing the house. And mm-hmm. they're like, why is your dad on the floor eating yeah. with the workers? I'm like, yeah. why not? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, didn't yeah, understand. Yeah. So like, I think I just, I'm just so used to that from my parents mm-hmm. that I think it just became normal. So when I see other people not treating waiters and waitresses like well, then I'm like, okay, you're not a nice person. Yes. And also like everybody will forget what you say, but you'll never forget how somebody made you feel. A hundred percent. And I think it's true. Yeah. And it's so funny in this industry. Another reason why I think I kind of made it this far is by always being nice to people. Yeah. If I think about the people that I've met and yeah. they're just interns yeah. at like magazines and whatnot, yeah. now they're editors yeah, and totally, stylists. Totally. So like everybody's career is changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sophia from my team knows this too because she was like an intern at another right. PR agency. Right. And she would tell me like, oh yeah, like that stylist when she came in, she yeah. wasn't so nice to me, but now she treats me so well. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like that shouldn't be the reason. Your right. career shouldn't be the reason why people treat you with respect or not. It should be the human being, right? That's a great secret too. I think um, if more people had that kind of common sense in fashion, Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be less of a scary industry. Yeah, and I think that's why... Unfortunately, magazines are dying and like people are exposing like hashtag me too, you know, like certain photographers treating like assistants and models wrong, you know, now that can't be a secret thanks to social media. Even though social media, because of social media, the anxiety rate has gone up and depression rate probably has gone up. It's also has its pros where people are able to speak up and marginalized marginalized communities are able to like speak up. People... Can find like-minded 
people, you know, yeah. like we can find other inspiring Asian people, yeah. find different communities. Right. That's what I love, love about social media. So your, I think your circle of friends has always been really small, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. your close friends. Yeah. Is your company kind of structured the same way? Like, do you have a lot of people working for you or do you have like a few people working? Because it's always yeah. different. I have very few people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then- Like how many? Like full-time or yeah, like- full-time. Just, oh, full-time, just like two, three- yeah, I think this is the thing. Yeah. Like everyone always thinks that, you know, all these huge influencers mm-hmm. have like teams of like 20, like full-time makeup, full-time this and mm-hmm. full-time that. And that's what I had guessed about you as well, that you yeah. had like two or three people, like right-hand women or right-hand yeah. boys that are just with you yeah. all the time. And then I have like freelancers and part-time people that I've worked with for yeah. a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does it feel being a boss now? Do you like being a mentor? Oh, no. No? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I can't, I don't have my life together. No, but you know what's really important for me? And I tell this to Sophia and yeah. all the girls and boys who work for me, even the part-time people. Yeah. It's really important for me to make sure that they succeed. Yeah. I don't want them to be below me. I want mm-hmm. them to do better than me. So I want them to find other interests or I want them to tell me what they're interested in. Yeah. And then we like train that. So like, for an example, do you remember Nicholas was with me? Oh, I don't know. He, don't um, he was with me, started as an assistant, but yeah. he always liked taking photos and yeah. whatnot. Now he's an influencer. Right. Um, but I kind of like helped him. Like I yeah. would take his photos when we yeah. travel yeah. or like when he first started shooting, he didn't know anything about cameras, mm-hmm. but like I knew he had a good eye. Mm-hmm. So like we would train more of that. Mm-hmm. We would do more video. So I want people to do what they like to do mm-hmm. and not do the parts that they don't like to do. And then we'll hire help right. on the parts that we don't like to do or right, we're not right. good at. Yeah, yeah. Like anything that I suck at, like the numbers and stuff, then right. I have somebody else doing that. Right, right. Yeah. So so then everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. And then we always do meetings where like we talk, okay, what's not working? Mm-hmm. What do you not like doing? Mm-hmm. Being a mentor is hard. Yeah, but you lead by example. You know, mentoring is not necessarily like sitting down with someone and Mm -hmm. being like, I'm going to mentor you today. Yeah. But I think in the unique role that you're in, Mm -hmm. right, I see that a lot of the girls that follow you, they're like young Asian Mm -hmm. American girls. Mm -hmm. And to have you, even as kind of like as an offshoot mentor, you're doing it, you know, you're leading Mm -hmm. by example. And again, it goes back to like, the responsibility mm-hmm. of what you do. Yeah. Do you ever think that's like a lot of pressure? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like yeah. when, the, I mean, I think about this looking, you know, at your site and your career. I mean, everything orbits around mm-hmm. you. How do you deal with that? Sometimes it's tough. I remember like, because when I'm back from like fashion week yeah. or any kind of travel, yeah. all I want to do is sleep. Yeah. But I can't. I have yeah. to go to work. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if, if I don't show up to the office, then my team is like, oh, she doesn't care. She's yeah. not showing up to the office. We're right. not going to show up to the office. Right. So I have to set up a good example. So I'm like, oh, I want to stay. <laughs> Pull yourself out of bed. Like, Ami, you need to get up yeah. and go to the office. Right. Um, but then again, when I'm with them, they give me energy too because right. they're so creative and they have like so many great ideas and I get excited again. Mm-hmm. But it it is tough because, and also like because I'm the boss, I'm yeah, you know I'm you're the, the boss face, lady. Basically, like when things aren't going right, 
Yeah. Like I can't really show it either. Yeah. I have to like yeah, yeah. take it and then pretend like everything is perfect, you know, sometimes, <gasps> right. you know, because I don't want that energy to transfer to them. Or if I have like family stuff or personal things yeah. going on yeah, yeah, in yeah. my life, I still have to show up to work mm-hmm. and then have like a mask, you know? Last question. What is the big picture? Your platforms, your followers, your mm-hmm. fame, what do you want to do with it? I always think about what is my purpose? Everybody has a purpose. And yeah. if you found that answer, that's that's great. But also sometimes people don't know what their purpose is, right? Why right. am I on this earth? Yeah. I feel like I have been given this platform to do good and spread good. One of my biggest achievements was when I raised $81,000 for my 30th birthday and 100% of that went to charity water yeah. to build water wells. Right. When I went to Ethiopia, seeing like these women and little kids, like even as young as like four or five, yeah. walking two hours yeah, 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 to get water. It's usually women too. Always women, yeah. yeah. And then not being able to go to school and then yeah. visiting certain schools where kids were so happy to be in class yeah, to learn. Yeah. I don't know, when I see that, I'm like, it touches me. And then I realize. Yeah, that is my purpose to showcase that and share that with my community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your community doesn't have to be 5 million people. Exactly. It could be like literally five people or right. the small group of friends you have. Anything good that you can do, I think right. it, you can spread it. Right now, it's like I'm very open about talking about mental health, especially in Asian communities. Because yeah. in Asian it's families, so yeah, we I don't mean, talk about our feelings I don't know how, at all. For Chinese families, like if you are, even if you drop the word depressed, mm-hmm. you know, like they'll be like, oh, you're going to the loony bin. Yeah. Like it's just something you don't ever talk about. Yeah. When I was growing up, I mean, my sister, I wouldn't even. Yeah, like I wouldn't even call it depression, but she was like put on like pharmaceuticals and it just had like all of these crazy ramifications, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Instead, you know, just like giving my 15-year-old sister like drugs to sedate her. It's, yeah, so it's important that you're doing those things. Yeah, so like I want to talk more about it. So Mm -hmm. whatever I can, whatever I get, I'm just like a sponge. Right. And then I want to filter it and then share with my community. Right. And right now my community... Happens to be 5 million people and plus. Right, right. But even if I had 10 friends, yeah, I'm just naturally going to share it. And yeah, that yeah. is my purpose. That sounds- to spread love. To spread love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Okay, cool. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Um, I think this will be so instructive for so many people. And I think it's great. I mean, really why I started the podcast was because, again, you know, it came from that existential crisis of like, I'm just not this profile photo. I'm just like not this image. Like Mm -hmm. I love, like you, I love creating images. I think it's so fun. It's so creative. But you're multifaceted like every woman. Yeah, Yeah, There's so many dimensions. so many things to say. And Mm -hmm. I think for someone new or someone returning to hear your voice and to talk about your struggles and your philosophies, I think it's going to be really enlightening for them. So thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, so that was my conversation with Ami. What did you guys think about it? I would have loved to have asked Ami more questions, but she had to go. So hopefully there will be another time. Again, if you're not one of Ami's 5.3 million Instagram followers, all of her handles will be below. You can find Ami's latest collection on Revolve. We'll have a link for that too. And more importantly, let me know your feedback. What did you think of the episode? Make sure you also shout out to Ami on all of her feeds as well and let her know that you heard her on Vanessa Wants to Know. 
And last but not least, it's really important that you rate us five out of five on whatever platform you listen to this pod on, because this is just going to raise our visibility on all of these searches for podcasts. And that will allow Vanessa Wants to Know to get to more ears out there. And that's what we want, right? So again, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Vanessa Wants to Know and looking forward to hearing all of your feedback. Bye.